Luke Kuhlman and I were in Burkina Faso while that was going on, and uh, I spoke at two graduations in Burkina Faso at universities. One you built, Bethel's Rock built. I had the privilege of going up to a place uh, north in Burkina Faso. We found out, we flew in on Thursday evening, ate dinner, and they told us Thursday evening that we needed to be up at 5 in the morning. It was going to be 104 degrees, and you need to wear a suit and tie indoors with no AC and no fans. Now let me say, that is as close to hell as you're going to get. It was, it, it was hot. <laughs> and, uh, but they told us we're going, it's going to be about a two and a half, three hour drive. And last week, 100 people were killed up in that area from Islamic insurgents that came down from Niger. And, and of course, I was on the phone with my wife when I heard them say that, and I said, 100 what died? And she goes, what, James? And I, I'm like, nothing. It was nothing. It was nothing. They, they actually had 50 security armed force, uh, army forces that went with us up there, 50, and they hid in bushes around the university, around the college, uh, because they will come in from off the roads. They'll come in and they swarm around. And when you see guys with machine guns and all of that stuff all around, it kind of gets your blood flowing. It's a little exciting. <laughs> it's an adventure. How many like an adventure, right? <laughs> I, I was kind of, you know, I enjoy that kind of stuff anyway. You know, as long as I know I have 50 guys with guns, I'm fine. <laughs> but um, we, it was... The, it's two years the school, or three years the school's been open. They had 30 graduates. They go all year long. The families go with it. And you made it possible. You actually built the place that made it possible for them to do that. Many of them know that they, will, they, they could die, that they're going to pastor churches in places where they and their families may die. And you, you don't understand that because you're Americans, and I get it. But put your judgment away because the reality is in the end, our attitudes will be the ones judged. The, they are living for something they believe in. We, we just know it. They believe it. Because when you believe something so much, you're willing to die for it. And the question is, would you die for your faith then? Would you die for this faith? Or would you justify all of the reasons why you would deny Christ in order to save, well, you know, I'm trying to save. And the reality is it's, it's on the line there. Whether you believe or not is on the line. And it's something we, we just don't understand in America because we, we haven't had to live under that kind of oppression or, or, or you know, the issues of that. And, it, you know, it's sad for me, and I'm sure Zach might have already talked about this, that Kent and Becky Boyum, who were the pastors at this campus before me, Beck, it's exciting because Becky is in with the Lord. And, and how many would say Becky ministered to your life and made an impact in your life all over here? Yeah, she, she, she left a legacy in your life for a reason. And, um, you know, my heart and prayer as I'm thinking about them and as I thought about all, it was Kent, because Becky's not, she's not freaking out. She's pretty, well, she may be freaking out in another way. Like, oh, oh, you know, oh. <laughs> uh, last, it was, for those that don't know what's going on, it was sudden. It wasn't something that, uh, you know, was expected. 
And, but Kent is pastoring down in Arizona right now. And, and whenever you lose a spouse of 30-some years, that's tough, right? It's tough. And so can we take a moment? Did you already pray for them? No, we're going to take a moment right now. We're going to pray for them and pray for Kent and that family. Can we do that? Let's all agree together for this. So, Father, right now, we come in agreement as a body that has been impacted by the ministry and sacrifice of a couple that willingly made that sacrifice because they loved people, because they loved people, people in Farmington, in this community, and in Minnesota. Lord, I pray right now in this moment what we are not physically able to do or even in words able to do, that your Holy Spirit would go with Kent right now, not only give him strength, but walk him through the grieving process. Lord God, I pray that depression would not be able to set in, that discouragement, although it's there, would not be able to stay, and that the joy of the Lord that can only come by your Spirit would fill his heart, that peace would rest upon him like dew on a, on a morning's day, Lord God, that it would just rest on him, and that you would walk him through this, and the family through this, and even those that maybe aren't serving the Lord, Lord God, would come back to you, I pray, through this, and we declare this over them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, let's get, last week, Pastor Zach started a series on pursuing the Holy Spirit. And, you know, we live in a world where I think if the church has gone too far one way, it's we've gone too far in knowing about uh, the Bible and knowing all about things and not really believing in the person of God not having a relationship with God. And we live in a world today in the church where it's a revised trinity. And this is really the trinity. is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Scriptures. We, we really, we don't like the Holy Spirit because He's kind of uncomfortable and it's weird, and we're living in a season, a time where people don't talk about the Holy Spirit. It's not that the Holy Spirit is weird, and it's not that the Holy Spirit is uncomfortable or even does uncomfortable things. It's that no, one is, no one's talking about the Holy Spirit. Like, no one's having, like, because so many spiritual leaders don't know about him or what he does or why he's there, they just didn't talk about him. Right? So they ignored him, and because leaders have ignored them, people who are there, they don't hear. But so there's this, this, there's this discomfort when you talk about the Holy Spirit. Now, if I were to tell you that we are never going to talk about Jesus again because he's too uncomfortable to talk about, but we're never going to talk about Jesus again, but we're only going to talk about the scriptures, how many would say, I'm going to go find a new church? right? You would say, there's no way I'm going to a church that refuses to talk about Jesus. And yet, Jesus himself said, I'm going away. It's better you have the Holy Spirit than if I were there. So if you're in a church that refuses to talk about the Holy Spirit, it is actually worse than a church that refuses to talk about Jesus. Everybody should have said amen to that. But the problem is, the reason everybody didn't is because there's some people in this room that's very uncomfortable with the Holy Spirit. 
You don't even like the statement I just made. The Holy Spirit has become the forgotten God. Pentecostal circles, he's been reduced to speaking in tongues. In charismatic circles, he's been reduced to shaking bacon and being slain in the spirit. But he's way more than that. The Holy Spirit is the most important person on the earth today. And God sent the Holy Spirit so that you could know him the same way the disciples knew Jesus. The same exact way. You know, the disciples were not uh, priests. They weren't religious people. They were broken people. They were weak people. They were uneducated people. But after spending three and a half years with Jesus, they were completely different. You may not be the greatest religious person in the world, but when you spend time with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will change you. And what's interesting is the Holy Spirit isn't for uh, just Christians. It's for sinners. It's for leaders. It's for slaves. It's for the rich and the poor, it's for the, the intelligent and the unintelligent. The Holy Spirit is for every single person, not just for one or another. It's not a gift. He's a person. We have reduced him to a gift. He's a person. The Holy Spirit, he, no one owns him. No one owns him. Him. He is God. He is God present just as Jesus was present on earth. It, how many believe that when your body is in a casket, you'll still exist? Right? Without a body, you'll still exist. You, you believe that? Right? Then why is it we think the Holy Spirit must have a body in order to be a person? If you're a person after your body is dead and the Holy Spirit comes out and you're still a person, you're a person. Just as the Holy Spirit is a person. Jesus came, God came and filled the body of Jesus' body. He became man, filled Jesus. And then when he was resurrected, he was still a body. The Holy Spirit is that same thing in our life. He is a person. You can have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. In fact, he wants you to have the same relationship with the Holy Spirit that the disciples had with Jesus. So I'm going to take a verse that often isn't used. It's found in Acts chapter 3. And if you were at the Equip conference, I, I used this verse for that. And I'm going to use it here. Acts chapter 3, verse 2 through 6. It's a story. We were standing on the Temple Mount a few weeks ago. Uh, we were at the temple in Israel. And filming for small groups. And I want to encourage everyone in here to lead a small group uh, in the fall. Every single, you say, but if we all lead small groups, who's going to come to whose small group? Exactly the point. That no one is in your small group from the church. That you bring other people from other places that need to discover who God is, who the Holy Spirit is. Here's what it said. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. 
Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said in this famous saying, you know, that I was taught as a little kid, you would sing it, silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give to you. And in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Now, what the literal translation of this is, Mama brought this lame son, set him at the steps of the temple so that people who are coming in the temple who are in an attitude of generosity because they're going to meet God was probably do something kind because they think their actions are going to make them better suited to meet God would then give to this lame man and they're manipulating the situation to get something from people who are going to probably seek for grace from God because of how bad their life has been. Peter and John come up and on this day they have no money apparently and they look at him and they say, we don't have silver and gold, right? But what we have, you have a temporary problem which seems permanent to you and we could meet your, t- your permanent problem with a temporary solution but what we're going to do is meet your permanent problem with a permanent solution. We're going we're, we're gonna to tell you, get up and just walk. You won't have to beg anymore, right? So this man gets up and he walks. Here's the literal translation or the lesson you can get from that translation. The Holy Spirit is not interested in giving you therapy to help you nurse your issue or problem. Rather, he desires to change the paradigm of your life. He doesn't want to nurse your depression. He wants to set you free from depression. He doesn't want to nurse the insecurity you have, the identity crisis you're in. He doesn't want to nurse it, you know, because we nurse it. Well, you know, why do I go to Bethel's Rock? I go because people tell me all kinds of good things about me. They tell me how great I am, right? You don't, you don't need someone to tell you how great you are. You need someone to set you free from needing to hear how great you are. You have an identity crisis that needs to be set free so that you know who you are. I don't need people to tell me who I am. And I don't, and when people say things that are bad about me, I just, I go, they just don't know. They just don't know. Right? I'm not taken down five notches because they said what they said. Because I know who I am in Christ. I know my identity. You can't lift me up and you can't pull me down. I just me. Right? But we're always wanting therapy in areas of our life where people feed in. And then when they don't, we put pressure on them to do it. That's a lot of problems in marriages right now. You want your spouse to feed into an insecurity in area of your life, and when they don't, the way you think they should, you attack them rather than recognizing it's really an insecurity in you that only God can fulfill by revealing who you are. Here's the metaphorical application. Christians in general can be lame. And I'm not talking about hashtag lame, right? Although I could talk about it because Christians can be hashtag lame, especially in America. What I'm talking about, this man had legs, but he couldn't walk. You know, uh, when, when, when a baby comes out of a mama's womb, they come out 
most of the time with legs. Now, the reason I say that is because there's millennials in the room, and if I say they come out with legs, they'll say, sometimes they don't. <laughs> like, rarely, but because one might come out of the womb, it's like sometimes they don't, because one came out of the womb without legs once, right? So mostly, when a baby comes out of a womb, they have legs, but they don't walk. They don't walk. They have them. They have the ability. The ability is there. It's not like the baby comes out of the womb with no legs, and then UPS shows up two, two weeks, two years later, and says, oh, here's your legs. Now it's time to walk. The baby is born with them. You don't apply for them. You don't work for them. You, don't, you didn't deserve them. They, they were actually, they're like dragged out, or they're there held with their legs, right? They're there. Although your legs might have come out at birth, your use of them didn't come out at birth. You got to exercise them. And if they don't work, as this man had legs and they didn't work, something wasn't in order. And whatever prevented him from walking had to be put back into order in order for his legs to walk. See, what happened was the man wasn't given the ability to walk. When they said, silver and gold have you none, they were, they were declaring over him that the thing that was preventing him from using his legs would then get into order so that he could use his legs because God is a God of order. And there are reasons... We don't always walk is because something might be out of order or we just never exercise. I don't know. I'm not here when you came in. I don't know that anyone crawled into the place today. But you have legs. Okay? Now, you're saying, how does that relate to any of this? I'm going I'm to show you in a moment. There are three baptisms. The baptism of salvation. At the baptism of salvation, you're given the Holy Spirit. You're given your legs. Then there's the baptism of water. That's a baptism of obedience. Then there's the baptism of the Holy Spirit that some believe is only for a few people, and it isn't. It is for everyone. Okay? Now, let me show you this. John chapter 3, verse 3. Jesus replied, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see, say that word, see, the kingdom of God unless they are born again. So you're given the Holy Spirit. And then John chapter 3, 5 says, Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and of spirit. Now, now listen to this, born of water and spirit. It's baptism of water, baptism of spirit, okay? Other translations doesn't say enter. It says no one can walk in the kingdom of God. So at salvation, you see the kingdom of God. At baptism in water and of the spirit, baptism of spirit, you walk in the kingdom of God. At salvation, you're born with your legs of the Spirit. At the baptism of water and of Spirit, you walk with your legs. Now, how many have two legs, right? You're born with two legs. Most babies are born with two legs, right? And, and it's interesting because one leg is the baptism of obedience. The second is of power, Obedience, power. See, you, 
if God gives you power when you're not an obedient person, you become destructive. See, you say, I don't know why I should be baptized in water. That's because you haven't learned obedience. You ask, why should I be rather than did God tell me to be? God said be baptized in water. You decided not to because you didn't know why. You made a decision maybe without knowing it. Is You said, I don't care what God said. I need to understand it first before I do it. I'm not going to do it because he said so. I'm going to do it because I think I should. It's obedience. Do you know how many times in this Christian walk, God doesn't have times to, to explain it to you, that he, he just needs you to obey? It starts at water baptism. When, when I get water baptized, I'm just going to obey what he's telling me to do no matter what. Whatever, it, I don't know. I just know he's a good God. And that if I obey him, things are going to go well for me. And when I obey, it's like a cadence. Obedience, power. Because I obeyed. I'm not using it to serve. Remember when we did the series Haunted? We brought Malachi up here from the high school. And he said, he said during 2020, I went, I went on the Wicca app and I went on the horoscope app. And, and I asked him, why did you go on to all of that? And he says, well, it was curious at first, but then it told me how I could have power over other people. There is something in the heart of man that wants to control people. That's why you have to exercise obedience first. You've got to walk in obedience because God's got to check your heart. See, until you come under what God wants you under, you can never be over what God wants you over. There are a lot of lame Christians that aren't operating in the power of the Holy Spirit because they don't operate in obedience. They just don't obey what God's telling them to do. They're going to do their own thing. So here's, here's, here's the first point. Every Christian has the Holy Spirit, but not every Christian walks with the Holy Spirit. James 4, 5 says, Or do you think Scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the Spirit? He has caused to dwell in us. Like the Holy Spirit is in us, but we, we know he's in us. But we don't walk with the Holy Spirit with the knowledge of it. Like God is in this room right now. Like God's presence is in this room right now. The only reality of the Holy Spirit in our life is that we speak in tongues. This is for a lot of people. Yeah, I speak in tongues. Yeah, salvation, check. Water baptism, check. Tithe, check. Baptism of the Holy Spirit, check. I speak in tongues, check. Now, why, why do I need the Holy Spirit? Why, why, is, why is the baptism of the Holy Spirit, like, why is he important in my life? Like, if we were to be honest, there's a lot of Christians that would say, I would never ask that question, but they think it. Like, they think, now, why do I need the Holy Spirit? Like, how is the Holy Spirit important? What is the Christian that has the Holy Spirit but doesn't walk in the Holy Spirit? He's the Christian who has legs that don't work. Christians that crawl around. Isn't it interesting that when we ask people, how do you know you're a good Christian? They almost always refer back to a person's behavior. Well, they behave well. They don't drink, smoke, chew, and date girls who do. Right? It's all about behavior. I'm here, Pastor, because... I, I want to behave better, so give me a message which gives me knowledge 
that helps me know better not to do something that I'm now going to do but be guilty about it. Like, give me, tell me how to do something better. Help me to do something. Like, teach me something that sets me free from what I'm going through. If you think that's what this is all about, friend, you haven't been going to church in a long time because it isn't about knowledge of how to get out of something. It's about knowing someone. Freedom is not the absence of something. It's the presence of someone. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Many Christians today have lives that are not any different from those who are not believers. There are a number of non-believers that behave better than many Christians. Because you don't, they were raised that way. They don't lie. They don't cheat. They're people of character. They didn't need that. But here's the thing. What identifies people as believers? One, it says that they shall know who you are by the way you love one another. Here's, a, here's another one. These signs will follow those who believe. They will heal the sick, cast out demons. No deadly thing will harm them, and they will raise the dead. Based on just those five things, that's how I know I'm a believer. Well, I haven't been raising dead people. I need to get back to that. Right? How many are sitting there going, what? You mean it's not my behavior? No, it has nothing to do. And that's really part of what the struggle is in all of this, is we've made it all about our actions. The Christian life is not striving, but it's surrendering. The Christian life is not natural. It is supernatural. Not because you are super spiritual, but because you're simply a normal Christian who walks with the Holy Spirit. You're putting all your energy into behaving better when you should be putting your energy in getting to know the Holy Spirit. Don't worry about the behaving right now. Get to know the Holy Spirit. Someone asked me, Pastor, I, my, I, I, he was talking about challenges in his life. We were at lunch. I go, how's your walk with the Holy Spirit? And he goes, oh, it's not very good. And uh, he goes, and my marriage is horrible. In fact, I think we're going to get a divorce. And, and I said, well, what one are you going to work on first? And he says, well, the big one, my marriage. I said, friend, if that's what you're working on first, you might as well quit because you will never fix it. You don't even know the big one isn't your marriage. The big one is the one with the Holy Spirit. Because when you get that right, the marriage will work out. He's the one. He's the source. Like, this is someone who's invited Christ in their life. They have legs, but they haven't been walking. They don't know why the Holy Spirit is in our life. We don't know why the Holy Spirit's in our life. We don't understand that everything that we're looking for, that we health and strength and to prosper in life, doesn't come from knowledge. It comes from the relationship with the Holy Spirit. So number two, to walk in the Holy Spirit, we have to talk to the Holy Spirit. He's a person. He has a want, will, mind, and emotions. We have to shift from thinking he's oil, fire, wind, dove, manifestations, an attitude, atmosphere, force, power, hot heat, 
tingling feeling, goosebumps. I just, the Holy Spirit just gave me goosebumps. Well, if you're saved, then you must live in perpetual goosebumps because he's living in you. Like the Holy Spirit is in a body. He's just sharing it with you. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Where, what does that mean? It means the Holy Spirit may not be in a body like he was in Jesus' body, but the Holy, Spot, Holy Spirit is in your body. He's closer to you than a friend. He lives with you. He's with you. John 14, 16 says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. What he's saying is, I'm going away, but it will be better that the Holy Spirit is here with you, that you're better off, that just as the disciples talk to Jesus, you can talk to the Holy Spirit who's with you all the time. You know, the word another is similar. It's a similar thing to this. I like Cain's chicken. I'm not a Chick-fil-A guy. I know, I know, I know. Whatever. Anyway, uh, you can be wrong. That's okay. But... So I'll go to Cane's and, and, and I'll go get the chicken and I'll go eat the chicken. And if I go back and say, you know, that was so good, I want another. It's not saying, it's, they're not going to give me the one I just ate because it's in my belly. Right? But they're going to give me another one just like the one I just ate. Right? Jesus was gone. When the Holy Spirit came, he was just like having Jesus right there with you. Well, if Jesus was with me, no, actually the Holy Spirit's with you and it's better he is. You have it better off than the disciples. That's why Jesus said, wait until the Holy Spirit comes. You've been following me, but then the Holy Spirit will come and you're going to follow him. It changes. Why is it important? Because when the Holy Spirit, when you recognize his presence in your life is everything, your mission and purpose changed. When Jesus came to the disciples, they left their nets behind and they followed Jesus. Your mission and purpose changes in life. When you recognize that the Holy Spirit is with you, your mission and purpose changes to whatever he's doing. He's to be followed. He wants us to follow him. See, there, there is a difference. You know when Jesus was on the earth, because the, the Lord showed me, there are two things I'm going to show you right now that the Lord really showed me. One is we pray to the Father. We pray to the Father. People say, dear Jesus. No, no, no. Jesus taught us to say, dear Father. We pray to the Father, not Jesus. When the disciples were on earth, they prayed to the Father and they conversated with Jesus. Right? There's a difference. There is this, there is this intention to prayer, conversation flows. So we pray to the Father and they would converse with the disciple or with Jesus. When Jesus left, we pray to the Father, but who do we conversate with? The Holy Spirit. We have conversation with the Holy Spirit as though Jesus was there. Look at, uh, look at um, 2 Corinthians 13, 13 through 14. It says, May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the what? fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. You know, what's interesting is how many believe that God loves you, right? 
How many appreciate the grace of Christ in your life? Then why do we think the fellowship of the Holy Spirit is only for a few people? Where in that verse does it say, oh yeah, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit is just for some? No, like God wants to have a relationship with you and that relationship comes through the Holy Spirit. It's having, it's, it's like, it's like when my wife and I are with my friends, you know, when you're with friends of the past, uh, we, like, if I go with my college friends or high school, and I'm with them, and one came over a few years ago, and we were talking about all the memories from the past, right? We were testifying to all of the dumb things we did when we were 20. How many, how many know what I'm talking about? You, like, I mean, we left some things out, Right? And we were telling her about all the stupid things we did when we were in our, in our you know, and, and anyway. And, and we, we had, because we had made memories. And hopefully we'll make more memories. L- look at this. God is making memories with us through a relationship with his Holy Spirit. God wants to make memories with you. That's when all the ladies go, oh. It's like a movie line, right? I want to make memories with you. The Holy Spirit wants to make memories with you. But we don't see him as a person. We see him as a wind. We see him as a power. We see him. We don't actually see him as being right there. Because the Holy Spirit is never going to use you. He wants to participate with you to do supernatural things. Much of the New Testament is not what Jesus did on earth, but what the Holy Spirit did on earth through humans. The fellowship of the Spirit. It's more than tongues, words of knowledge. The greatest gift the Holy Spirit ever gave you wasn't tongues. It wasn't a word of knowledge. It wasn't healing. It wasn't conviction of sin. It wasn't deliverance of demons. It's to have a relationship with you every day. Like when you wake up in the morning, you go, Good morning, Holy Spirit because he's there. Can you imagine all the places you've gone and you forgot the Holy Spirit was with you? The things we've done and said, and he's there. Now, immediately what you're doing is you're thinking of all the failures. Like if I were to go around and say, how's your spiritual life? How's your prayer life? It's good, but it could be How's, how's your reading the word? It's good, but it could be. How are you doing spiritually? It's okay, but could be better. Isn't it amazing how the one thing in our life that should be the most important thing is the one thing we can never succeed at? You know, I, there's a game I play. I won't even tell you what it is because you might want me to play it with you, but I never win at it. It's a demonic game. And it's not a Ouija board. It's a demonic game. I think God will eliminate it from heaven. Right? Why? Because I can never win at this game. So whenever somebody suggests that game, I say, no, I'm not playing that game. Why? Because I can't win at it. I, 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 if I can't win, I don't want to play it, which is interesting because that's just like a lot like Christianity. You live in a perpetual state of never winning at this. It's a game you can't win. Because no matter how much you do in it, you always should be doing. 
that's our mindset. That's what we've been taught. That they call it a holy discontent. Because they got to make it sound spiritual. And, and the Lord really started revealing, to, this is my heart. This isn't about me keeping score at how good you're doing it. I've redeemed you when you were at your worst. Your mindset needs to repent, and the attitude should be, I'm doing great. It's an adventure. Right where you're at, right now, right where you're at, you need to start to believe, thank God, I'm redeemed. I'm doing great. I'm going to change the way I think. No longer am I going to think like I'm a horrible Christian. You know why? Because everyone in here, it isn't what God wants. It's demonic. It's demonic to think that we're failing at our pursuit of a spiritual life. You know why? Because this pursuit of a spiritual life is demonic. The pursuit of a spiritual life is demonic. Remember when I said discernment? Discernment is knowing what is right and what appears to be right. When we pursue a spiritual life, we're pursuing exactly what Satan wants us to pursue. Because in any spiritual life, God's called us to pursue. He called us to pursue the Spirit. When you pursue a spiritual life, you're pursuing within your own strength and ability behaviors of which you're never going to accomplish and you're always going to fail at. When you pursue a person, you don't fail, you just grow. Imagine for a moment you leave this place thinking, I'm doing great with God. How many in here would say, my relationship would probably grow? But when you feel like you can never win, and no matter what you do, it'll never be good enough, you'll eventually give up and quit. And your pursuit of anything to do with God will stop. Exactly what Satan wants. It's time to stop. It's time to stop. We don't try to be holy to get to the Holy Spirit. We live in the Holy Spirit, and He makes us holy. When we run after the Holy Spirit, before we know it, we're a different person because I pursued Him, and it's in Him. Because Christ redeemed me, so I don't have condemnation anymore. I don't feel like I've, I should do better. I, this is our new response. Bethel's Rock, this is our new response. I'm doing so good. I love the Lord and I am growing. It's amazing in my relationship with God. You ready? You ready for that? How many are saying I'm ready? I need to, I need to repent. I need my mind to change because I need to start seeing like I'm winning in this thing. I'm more than an overcomer, but I don't feel like it. I don't feel like it. You know, some of us are pursuing the gifts and the power of the Spirit rather than the Spirit. Uh, there is, um, I got to give you the last point. There's a story I'm not going to get to. I'll give you a story another time. Well, I'll give it to you right now. I, I speak in tongues. I'm baptized in the Spirit, operating in the Spirit. I wanted all these miracles. And I asked this mentor, 
gentleman of mine one time. It's just he he just saw so much fruit in his ministry, so much fruit in his life. So, and I asked him. I said, "Will you pray for me, anoint me, that I can operate in the fruit?" And he said, "I'm not going to pray for you to operate in the fruit." I said, "Well, what do you mean? I I mean I see that he goes." The problem is, is you're seeking the fruit when you should be seeking the root. He says, get to know the Holy Spirit. I'm like, but I speak in tongues. But you don't know the Holy Spirit. You don't have a relationship with him. You see, what I'm talking about right now isn't the gifts of the Spirit. And I'm not talking about tongues. And I'm not talking about, I'm saying, what is your relationship with the Holy Spirit? That's what you're pursuing. Pursue him. He loves you. And you know what I love about him? He doesn't point at all the years you haven't been. He's just waiting for you to say, good morning, Holy Spirit. We're going to have a great day. Or when you're at work and you got a tough time, Holy Spirit, I need your help right now. I want to cuss him out. And the Holy Spirit will chuckle and say, okay, I'll help you with that. He's not intimidated by, look at this last point. I'll show you. This flows great in the last point. Walking in the Holy Spirit is the power to overcome the desires of the flesh. Galatians 5, 16 says, so I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, right? What does it tell you? There's going to be desires of the flesh. They're going to be there. Having the desires or the anger or all of that doesn't mean you're a bad Christian. It means you're human. There are desires of the flesh. But look, when you walk in the Spirit, it says you won't gratify the desires of the flesh. Why? Because I'm walking in the Spirit. You pursue the Spirit, and He keeps you from walking in the... Like, you know the fruits of the Spirit? Did you know they're not the fruits of James? They're not the fruits of put your name in place of that? Not fruits of Ben. They're not the fruits of Tone. They're, they're, not, the, they're not the fruits of you. They're the fruits of the Spirit walking with you. Well, how do I know the Spirit's with me? Because look at the fruit. People eat the fruit of my tree and they love it because I'm walking with the Spirit, not because I'm producing it. I'm not the one doing it. This isn't humanism. Holiness is not a result of striving. It's a result of surrender. The character of a Christian is not called the work of the flesh. It's called the fruit of the Spirit. Too many people have been wasting their energy pursuing character when you should have been pursuing the Spirit. You want character? Pursue the Spirit. The disciples became who they were because they followed Jesus. There's this, that Jesus said, if you want to do those things, abide in me, follow me. He doesn't say go do anything. He says just follow me because everything else will flow out of that relationship with him. Will you stand? Now, obviously, I've taken more time than I, I should, and I do that often, but I'm sorry. But really, this, this is a place for you to experience something that can change your life. You ready to do that? First thing you need to do is repent. You need to repent, and repent means I need to change the way I, I'm thinking. So one, I'm not a failure. I'm not failing in this walk with Christ. You ready to do that? Then you're going to have a conversation. The Holy Spirit is sitting there right with you. In fact, he's in you. It's like, so when you're talking, you're talking to the one who's right there with you. I want you just right now to say, you know what, Holy Spirit, I'm changing the way I'm thinking. I'm repenting. I am no longer going to put down 
what's going on in my life, I'm going to start to celebrate the relationship I have with you, and I'm going to grow in that. You ready to do that? All condemnation, I declare, has to leave this place right now. It cannot reside in this place. You need to be set free to experience the joy of your salvation, the life that comes when you come to Christ and He redeems you right now. Just begin to talk to the Holy Spirit in your own voice, and then Pastor Zach's going to take over. But just take about 15, 20 seconds to have a conversation with the Holy Spirit right now.